Hello, my beautiful people. Welcome to Permission to Think. I'm Edwin Rustrian, and I'm glad you're joining me today. Thank you to all of you who week after week tune in to Permission to Think. My desire is to push our thinking, encourage you, and remind you that there's always hope, regardless how bad things get. I hope this podcast has blessed you and added value to your life. For more information, please visit erustrian.com. This week, we end our series on the topic, A Leader's Delusion, Transforming the Delusional Leader Within. In this series, we spoke about the delusional aspects of a leader. Who is a leader? What great leaders do? And what does the Bible say about leadership and why we have such an urgent need for real leadership? Join me as we give ourselves permission to think. This week, I want to end our series on a leader's delusion, transforming the delusional leader within, with a short reflection on the process of transformation. And I want to use the story of Moses in the desert as our focal point. So let's focus on a few points because there are some very interesting observations we can make in the transformation that Moses went through as he's leading the people through the desert and the transformation that the Israelites went through in the desert. And so um, I feel like where we are right now in our society, um, there are many things that are shifting and there are changing. However, I also believe that each of us have our own process of transformation. Some of it has taken many years. I know for me, it has taken many years, uh, the growth aspect and the desire to keep changing and evolving. And although those things are really great, there's something that still falls short to the true aspect of a transformation that God does in our lives. Um, and so today, I really want to just kind of sum up the idea or the aspect of the delusional uh, aspects of leadership and how we can really get to the point of transforming those elements in our lives that are going to be really key to um, where we want to be in the next five or 10 or 15 years. So the, the points that I want to focus first on Moses' transformation through the process of his leadership is um, where does it start, right? Where does it end? And what happens when he begins his journey, uh, unbeknownst to him how it was going to end for him, um, but at the very end, what did he accomplish? Um, was he able to accomplish the vision that God set forth before him? Did he enter the promised land? Um, was he a strong leader? Was he a passive? Um, was he an oracle of God? Was he a prophet? How how did it go from a from a um, a person who killed a a a soldier or um, while the Israelites were being beaten and abused, and he he was a fugitive, he ran away. To then, as time has passed, he comes back and frees the people. So, these are some of the points that I kind of notice in the story, and I want to share it with you in Moses' transformation. And one of them is um, he's called to a purpose greater than himself. Moses is called to a purpose greater than himself. And I think that we all need that in life. We need to believe that there is a higher calling in our lives besides just living the nine to five and the trivial aspects of life. That was Moses. Second, needed courage for uncompromising obedience. And that's the difference of the element of self-transformation 
and the aspect of when you have a relationship with God that you need courage to let go of the known and embrace the unknown by faith and relying constantly on God so that he, through his Holy Spirit, may empower us to be obedient to fulfill that which he's asking us to do. Uh, for Moses, the third part of his transformation was a deeper, consistent relationship with God, not depending on his own knowledge, not depending on his own understanding, but really considering what that relationship with God was going to become for him. The true transformation came within, came from within, and being really um, consistent in a relationship with God. Fourth, um, confronting the past with a new lens and meaning. I think that quite often when we are out of our comfort zone and we are living a life with a call to a greater purpose, when we are confronted with new challenges that are unknown to us, we come to the point where we really always revert back to the comfortable, to the things that are known. Uh, I can tell you from many times in my experiences where I have uh, come across something that was new and, and very challenging and very daunting, and even at the present time that I'm sharing this with you, and I, in my mind, I always seek comfort. I always seek ways that I can go back to, to the known, to the things that feel right to me, to the things that I can control. And, and the great mystery in living a life of faith and living a life um, with a true relationship with God is, is looking at the past from a different place and a different lens. The past has already happened. And I think that when we're moving forward towards something more greater with a greater sense of purpose and meaning, the past can only be looked upon where we've been and use it as, as a way of, of maybe um, uh, reflecting on God's faithfulness and wisdom for what we're leaving behind to something greater. And so it's continuing to move in faith and say, okay, God, then you, that's where your faith and our faith comes into place where, okay, God, now you take over. Now, what is it that you want us to do? And then there's that, that faith and that trust element. But confronting the past with a new lens and meaning is like, if I have to go back to revisit the past, what is the point and the purpose that I'm looking to gain? It's not to go back and to stay there. There is a reason why the past is called the past because we left it behind. It's not for us to go back and live there. And many of us have a hard time letting that go. Many of us hold on to the past. As, as is something that we're always pining and wishing for. All oh, the days of yesterday were much better, you know, back in my generation. And I've said this before. Many times, many people always say, oh, no, back in my generation or back in their days. But there's always been shifts. The 20th century brought in such a shift in philosophy, brought such a shift in, in the way people thought and the approach to life. And the 20th century became one of the most bloodiest centuries in, 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 in human history. And so here we are today in the 21st century, and we are going through a change. We're going through a shift. And we, for me personally, I'm going to say this from my part, that I'm always looking for ways to revert back to the things that were common to me and the good old days and the good old moments. And so if I get stuck there, I don't allow for God to do new things in my life. And so there are promises in the word of God that need to come to fruition. There are things that are written in the Bible that need to happen. And sometimes by trying for us, trying to hold on to things of the past, we're actually telling God, you can't, you can't be going, continuing on the future things. I mean, when the words of Jesus, he's that things are going to fall apart. Things are going to get crazy. The world is going to be dysfunctional. The world's going to hate you. You know, good will be called bad and bad will be called good, but don't lose heart. I've overcome the world. Be of good cheer. Those was Jesus' words. So when, we, when, when we're looking at Moses and his transformation, 
He confronting his past, but with a new lens and meaning is to go back and to free those who were enslaved in that same mindset. So look at your past as a way of looking now at your present and saying, I need to go help those who are stuck in the same uh, predicament that I was maybe 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago and remind them that God is faithful and God is going to see them through. The other point in um, the fifth point of Moses transformation is faith to withstand the challenges of leading rebellious people. And sometimes, you know, in, in our careers, we come across some projects that we're leading that people that are difficult, people that are going to be very challenging and people who are going to be defiant. And currently in our market today, we, we you know, according to what reports say that like there is such a need for people to to work and so it, and sometimes the people who are working with a really bad attitude but why is because they have not understood that we are in a process that everything around us seems completely new and uh, not normal and so we're trying to um, jock for position or we're trying to f- shift um, our feet in order to be grounded in order to find some sort of make sense of what's going on in our world today but in, in essence we, we lose the sense of understanding that in the in, in the aspects of leadership is that we are in the people business and that we're serving people regardless of what it is it doesn't mean that you don't call out people when things go wrong but it's a matter of understanding why are people rebellious what is going on that maybe I'm experiencing this the person is experiences and sometimes in our position the stress that is created is so overwhelming that we can't even manage ourselves that we project this insecurities upon others you know when we're constantly trying to prove people that we have it under control and we don't seek any help or any uh, mentors or we don't seek anyone who can help us in the process and to even see your very human resources that you have at, at your hand is to understand that your leadership has great impact in the lives of others and how you behave how we react has a great telling on other how other people are going to perceive you and follow you so you know faith to withstand the challenges of leading a rebellious people was another aspect that Moses had to hold on to God in that relationship uh, the other aspect is and six is transforming human knowledge to supernatural wisdom there must have been some sort of craft or like this is the hard skills that Moses had in understanding how to live in the desert, how to live in the wilderness, right? And then going back and leading an entire nation to go out. But I think that for many of us, we do have that head knowledge. Many of us have, we know what we're talking about, whether your area is finances, whether your area is psychology, uh, or you're a pastor, you're a leader, whatever whatever area of capacity your hard skills are, are based on, that there is a tendency of depending too much on that. But then there are elements in life where we're going to need that supernatural help from God, that supernatural wisdom. And I think that in the, in the, in the desert, this is what happened to Moses. He went and transforming his human knowledge to supernatural wisdom through the mentoring of his father-in-law Jethro, um, through his brother, um, through um, the many people who he appointed. But more importantly... More importantly, the wisdom that came to him were uh, came directly from God himself. And that is because of, of an uncompromising obedience to God, a consistent relationship with God, and looking at the lens of his past through, uh, through the paradigm of what a relationship through God. And so in this aspect, the hardships that he endured where there was no water, where there was no food, when uh, the people complained and at a point people wanted to just literally kill him, that he needed to seek God 
And God gave him that wisdom on what to do and what not to do. When he established the ordinance of, of um, the things for the tabernacle and the, the, the Ten Commandments and, and, and the law that he passed throughout his uh, stay and mentoring his, 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 the Joshua and the process who was going to succeed him, you know, you can see that Moses from the beginning of its inception of leaving Egypt with the people to his very end, it was God-given wisdom that there's even, and I'm going to put this little emphasis, a little parenthesis here in, in talking about his transformation. There is a point that uh, Moses remarries and he marries um, that his sister and his family had a little problem with him who he married and they, they start slandering and criticizing uh, Moses. And then so God comes and he punishes Miriam, his sister, for gossiping and slandering Moses, right? Only because she considered herself also a prophet. And so God comes to Miriam and says, well, listen, sometimes I use other people to, to speak to the, to the nation, but I, don't, I, I speak directly to Moses. I speak directly with him to him. And so when you look at that element, right, that here is that relationship that Moses has with God and that God himself is saying, you know, uh, there are different ways that I do get to people, but my relationship with Moses, don't you dare because, um, talk about the, the, your brother in such a way, because I speak directly to him. And, and I think it is important to understand that when you look at that, God gave him that supernatural wisdom to lead a nation that was conditioned by slavery, psychologically damaged, uh, generationally cursed, uh, idolaters who, who worshipped many gods and were pagans in many ways because they adopted the cultures of, of the Egyptians within that time. So you're really looking at a leader who had to literally go through as a, an, an, a spiritual, uh, an identity transformation as well, and to understand what his greater purpose in life was. And so the other element that um, I think it's worth mentioning is this uh, seventh point of it is uh, humility. I think that it takes uh, a great leader to be transformed. I think it takes great humility to understand who you are. You know, uh, to understand that our, our lives are really in the palm of God's hand and that our leadership in order to be impactful must be uh, coupled with a sense of humility. And by humility, it does not mean that you're going to allow people to trample all over you. But uh, I believe uh, Dr. McMeeker gave one of the best definitions of humility. Well, humility is the aspect, and I'm paraphrasing here, is the aspect of understanding your value to others. You don't see yourself greater and you don't see yourself less, but you see the person across from you as a human being with love and respect that deserves the same dignity to be treated as you are. Your position of elevation does not give you or me the right to belittle, to degrade, or to humiliate anyone for any purpose or reason or even to impose your power of authority over someone else and i think we have too much of that in our society i think that our egos get really um to our heads and this is where the head knowledge comes in but the supernatural wisdom that god gave moses allowed him to stay humble committed but lead lead with precision with conviction lead with a sense of purpose and meaning to a greater a more meaningful tomorrow for the nation of israel um, the last point in Moses' transformation is that we need to make this clear because I think this is a very pointed to where we are in our society. Moses was transformed, I believe, from a social justice activist vigilante to a man whose face reflected the very presence and dwelling of God. Let me say that again. 
Moses was transformed from a social justice activist vigilante to a man whose face reflected the very presence and dwelling of God. What do I mean by that? If you remember in the story where he, he comes to the point where he sees the Israelites being beaten and um, their burdens were made greater and, and they were being whipped and he sees this um, soldier beat a slave and Moses goes and defends them and um, ultimately kills the guy, right? Um, I think that we find so much of our society in that way. We want to provide some sort of uh, intellectual or social justice to become vigilantes in the name of, of all the other sources that we can possibly conceive. But in the end, we're becoming more destructive. We're becoming more divisive and we're killing one another. May, at times, it, it's a lot with our words that we find the right phrase or the right intellect or the right uh, argument to debunk someone's argument, but no one is trying to really make a sense of thinking of the whole. It's my opinion that I'm putting a lot of value and an energy to humiliate someone else or to embarrass someone else. There isn't a sense of love. There isn't a sense of, of, of the supernatural wisdom that will encourage us. But, you know, there are others who are really going to the point of killing other people in the name of justice. You know, we don't longer talk about our society a sense of, of forgiveness. You don't hear that in the media of, of saying like, hey, you know, what does it mean to forgive someone's offenses? And yet, in many people who consider themselves believers and Christians, they often leave these parts out because they're very inconvenient to their call, to their purpose, or what they perceive to be their desire to live in life. We, we have to come to an understanding that God did not call us to be activists or vigilantes for a social cause. God called us to repentance, he called us to forgiveness, and he called us to a promised land that is beyond this. And many times we lose focus inside of that. And it's important that we remind ourselves we are not in a self-progressive, in a self-motivated to bring equality to the world. We are the hands and feet of God to do good. And the only way we can do good is to know good, and that good can only come from God. Our own good and our understanding still was very short to what God considers good. And if you really want to know more about that, read the Synoptic Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And then read the book of John, which is like a really, really short read, right? You can read that in one day. But really get to understand the words of Jesus. And here's another caveat that I think I want to throw out there for you to listen to. And here is this. The many people who question and to judge the Bible to be sort of retrograded, to be antiquated, to be irrelevant to our society have never, I guarantee you, they have never really spent at least a good hour reading the Bible. They never. But because it's easy for me to say, well, you know, the Bible is this and it judges people and it doesn't. It's not. The, 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 the Bible is God's words of life to, to bring and edify the spirit. But it calls us to understand that we are sinners in short, in need of a savior, in need of someone to come and rescue us from our own demise. Do we really think that we can save ourselves and, 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 and pay our way out through every single aspect of life without giving any sense of accountability for the way we live our life and the way we treated others? So yeah, Moses was transformed from a social justice activist vigilante to a man who we face reflected the very presence and dwelling of God. A leader's delusion is thinking that everything revolves around us and putting too much value on our opinion or our cause. The desert transformed Moses. 
Let's focus now on the Israelites' transformation of the desert. The Israelites' transformation of the desert meant leaving everything behind for a vision of a better tomorrow. Quite often we are asked to do that. And sometimes we're too comfortable. We're too dependent on the things that we know and the things that were convenient to us and to launch and to believe that God has called us for something better. This is very fearful, and, 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 and I have to tell you that many times I, I have gone through this in my life where it's like God is saying, okay, it's time for you to move on, and it's time for you to do something new. And in my mind, I always go back to what's comfortable, and there's something where I have to take actions, literally actions of faith moving forward in a direction with fear, with doubt, with being scared, with all these things in my mind. And saying to myself and, and, and allowing the spirit to do this in my life to say, no, you're going to go forward. You're going to trust God, right? Because God has something greater and better for our lives. It has nothing to do with materialism. It has to do everything with a deeper relationship with God. And as of that, everything else becomes a byproduct of that relationship that we develop with God. So the Israelites transformation, leaving everything behind for a vision of, of a better tomorrow. Number two was the immediate relief from the abuse and tyranny of leaders. Uh, in many aspects of our life, we, we do seek that, 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 that relief from the many aspects of suffering of our lives, maybe suffering a job loss, maybe going through an illness, maybe getting into arguments and fights with family members, maybe your car and everything is falling apart. Uh, maybe you have a, a boss that is, that is completely verbally abusive and or, or you experience sexual harassment or you're being objectified as a woman or you're being uh, um, a mass... Um, you're being humiliated as a man. Your masculinity is now being toxic and challenged. You know, all these different cultural norms that appear to be now. Where, where do we go? What, what do you do? You know, and you seek immediate relief from that. And the truth of it is that sometimes we have to confront these things, but we have to confront them with courage, with great love and respect, with humility, but with passion and be people who believe that this is what God has called us to do. It is to love, it's to build, it's to strengthen. And when you feel weak and without hope, that God is able to offer that. And the Israelites, that was the hope. That was the hope in leaving everything of the suffering behind for a brighter tomorrow. Uh, a call, a third will be a call from slavery to freedom. We are many ways enslaved in our thoughts, in our actions, and even to the things that um, we enslave to a way of life. We enslave to the things that we perceive to be good. Um, and many times, you know, it's hard to be... Um, to change those ways and to accept something else for the sake of freedom. What does freedom mean, right? How do you define that element of freedom? Um, so that was a third element that I feel like call from the slavery aspect of it to now to freedom that the Israelites transformation took place in the desert. And also a change in identity, right? That's the fourth aspect of the Israelites transformation. No longer slaves, but sons of God, all right? A holy nation. You think about this, right? So the change of identity, what does the identity have in the world or what does secularism tells us about our identity or even everything that we have today, what you are, how is it determined, how is it? But, but in the desert, in the wilderness, in a place where no life sometimes can ever be sustained, God changes the identity of a nation from slaves to a holy nation. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So now there's that transformation that we see in, in its people where there are those who still grumble and those are things that are still pining for the past when things get hard 
And that is human condition too. I do believe that. I think quite often we get excitement in the new journey, but when we are confronted with challenges in that new journey, we say, what did we do? Oh my goodness, what did we do? What did I do? I, I should have stayed. I should have done this. And that's what the Israelites really went through. They always went back to the old ways of thinking of saying, no, I would have preferred to be a slave, but I know that I have food on the table. I would have preferred to be a slave and beaten by my masters than to be out here dying of thirst, which was not the case. God has still provided for them. But in the moment of the process that they're going through, they always revert back to the way of thinking as slaves. And when God calls you his son, you have access to every blessing of heaven that he has ever poured upon you. His word is true. His word is perfect. And his promises are still for today that he has never seen the righteous forsaken or its seed begging bread. God is faithful to you, to your children, and to your children's children for generations to come. He no longer calls us slaves. He no longer calls us servants, but he calls us friends of God. He calls us children of God. He calls us heirs. He calls us a royal priesthood. He calls us his own, the apple of his eye. A slave, a nation that was enslaved to a holy nation, and yet, their behavior reflected, let me go back, let me go back because I'm seeking my comfort and what feels known to me. It's difficult to step out in the process of being transformed. It's difficult to step into an area that are unknown, into a wilderness that you don't know where anything is going to be or what's ever going to happen. But in that process, we learn and we are transformed. The nation of Israel was transformed from mental slavery, conditioning, psychologically damaged, and generational curses to a nation that was promised a blessing, prosperity, joy, freedom. And yet, here we are today still in the 21st century, and many of us still choose to be slaves. When God says, I have made you free, who the sun sets free is free indeed. The desert, the desert represented the process God used, not only to transform Moses, but an entire nation. A nation that received reparations for the many years in slavery, but who are also rebellious and disobedient. That they squandered many of the gold and silver that was given to them by the Egyptians in building idols. The desert has no water. It has extreme heat by day and cold by night. Yet God was faithful to caring for them by providing food, water, shelter, heat at night, and a cloud by day so they wouldn't be scorched by the sun. Their clothes and their shoes did not get damaged. For 40 years they spent in the desert because of their disobedience. An entire nation, rebellious, dies never seeing the promised land because they were delusional in thinking they can access God's promises and God's promised land and serve other gods. Isn't that many of us today? We want only the hand of God, but we don't want his character. We want all the promises that he said he was going to give us, but we don't want to be obedient. We want to say that, yes, I believe in God and serve God, and this is good, but we, we're not willing to change our way of life to reflect the love that God has done for us. At times, our lives can feel like we're living something behind, entering a desert and trusting God for our promised land. Don't despise the desert. Is the place God uses to transform our delusional state to a people of faith, power, and obedience. 
It's the place where our old self goes to die so our new person can emerge and live. It's interesting to me to think about how the desert can represent a rebirth of our faith, hope, provision, care, courage, transformation, life, joy, peace, serenity, strength, and many times, yes, forgiveness and redemption. It's in the desert that a leader's delusion is transformed. How long we remain there is determined by the courage we demonstrate to be obedient, to be humble, and to be patient. I don't know what desert God is using in your life right now. I, I don't know what God is calling you to do. But there is a delusional element to think as we lead our lives, to think that we actually have control of that. We are delusional to think that we have complete control of our lives and to think that we know better, that our head knowledge is greater than God's supernatural wisdom. I want to encourage you and give you hope. Things seem very bad right now. Things seem very difficult on where we are today. Financially, things look bleak. The housing market, things look bleak. Education, things look bleak. News and everything that you see in society, things look very bad and daunting. But that's a system that has been created by men. May I give you a word today that may encourage you and give you time to think about where you are in your life. If you're not satisfied with everything that in your knowledge, in your head knowledge and abilities, and all the hard skills and soft skills that you've been able to acquire, may you take a moment to just reflect and even the sense of our ability to create this wonderful, amazing technological advances and the, the structures that have been edified in engineering, that we think that that has just been birthed out of nothing. And that God himself has deposited all these abilities in us to become makers and creators and builders. And yet, at times we see the worst of humanity, destructive, divisive, and yet, full of hate and anger and bitterness and resentment, full of vices, and we justify them. And deep inside, we try to persuade others that that's the way to go. And yet, there's a real sense in our world that things are not right. What is God calling you in this present time? What desert are you facing? Don't despise the wilderness. But in the wilderness, we will see the hand of God. In the wilderness, he will give us water to refresh us, to bathe us, to keep us alive. He is, Christ is the living water. In the desert, he will give us food. He will give us his manna, his provisions so that we don't go hungry. He will bring quail through the night so that we may eat. But Jesus said he is the bread of life. Eat. What about his burning fire through the night that heats us in the cold or the cloud that walks through by day as his very presence guides us through that moment? Times are hard, but God is good and he is faithful. Maybe you want to consider that today. Maybe everything that you're thinking about does not include God and the promises over your life. A leader's delusion and transforming the delusional leader within 
It starts with acknowledging God as the one who is in supreme control and sovereign over our lives. I'll leave you with a quote of the day. The desert shatters the soul's arrogance and leaves body and soul crying out in thirst and hunger. In the desert, we trust God or die. Dan B. Allender, The Healing Path. Remember, my beautiful people, never compromise integrity for comfort. Stay strong.